Hey, this is Justin Adams, pastor at New Life Praise Center, and you're listening to our podcast. God bless you. Stay encouraged. Tonight, I get to preach one of my most favorite things in the entire world. All right? Now, y'all know me. If, if, if you were to pick, tonight I want to finish an earlier study from 2 Peter, but it's really not a continuation. And tonight, I'll, I'll put me on my screen here real quick. Uh, let's see, I want to preach this real quick. The coming of the Lord. Come on now. We're going to talk about the return of Jesus Christ. So y'all pray with me right now. Lord, bless me as I teach about your glorious appearance. Use me to teach and instruct. Help me, God. Give me the words to say, have your way tonight. Uh, I ask for your will to be done. And God, I ask you that you open the hearts and minds of those that are in the congregation. Give them a supernatural faith. Let this teaching be planted in good soil and let it bring forth fruit in Jesus' name. And everyone said amen. amen. So tonight I'm talking about the, seven co- the second coming of Jesus. And basically when Jesus comes to carry us home. When our time here on earth is gone. When the worries of life are no more. And we get to be with Jesus forever. When I don't have to worry about back pain or getting old or don't have to worry about paying bills, don't have to worry about what my kids are going to run into, I just get to be with Jesus for the rest of my life. I ain't got to worry about nothing. I just get to be with Jesus. I, I get to be at the throne. I get to be at his feet. I get to worship all the time. I get to sing and I get to dance and I get to be with him. I, I can't wait to see him come back, split the eastern sky, step out on a cloud and make himself available to us. I can't wait to be with the Lord. I can't wait to be with Jesus. And I look forward to it. And so in 2 Peter chapter 8, uh, the Bible reads like this. Do not forget this one thing, dear friends. With the Lord is a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years is but like a day. Let's see if I can put it up there. There it is. Do not forget this one thing, my friends. With the Lord, a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years are like a day. Now just kind of marinate that for just a minute. Let, think about that. What, what does it mean? With the Lord, one day is like a thousand, and a thousand for you is like one day for the Lord. So what does that tell us? Time is irrelevant to our God. Time is irrelevant to God don't have a watch in heaven. There's not a clock in the waiting room. With God, that's why we have to sing songs like, we're going to wait on you. That's why Isaiah said, wait on the Lord and you'll renew your strength. Because God doesn't activate on our timing. God doesn't move in our time. God's God sometimes has his, his purpose and his plan and his, his directive is not in your time. I remember an old song used to sing, he's an on-time God, though. May not come when you want him, but he'll always be there in time. Amen? Peter states this because he was writing that at the time when he wrote this, there were people who mocked. And said Jesus wasn't coming. There was, there was a time where people asked. Why, why, where's Jesus at? They were, they were teasing. Much like they did Noah. As he built the boat. As he was getting ready for what God told him. 
as he was getting ready for what God had told him was going to happen, they began to mock him. Well, Peter lived a life like he was getting ready for what Jesus told him was going to happen. And so they began to mock Peter and they said, where is he at? Look at verse 4 real quick. Can you put it up there? Let's see how quick you are. Put it on verse 4. He said, where is this coming that he promised? Put on verse 4 for me. Y'all going to have to keep up with me if you're going to switch cameras like that. There it is. Where is the coming that he promised? And they would ask Peter, where is he at? And Peter said, listen, God doesn't work on your timing. He said, the day with God is like a thousand years, and a thousand years is, is like a day. But when Jesus comes the second time, here's what you need to hear. The timing will be perfect. Not our timing, uh, but it'll be perfect. Much like the first time he came, it was perfect timing. Do you know between the last prophet that spoke in our Bible to the birth of Jesus, there was 300 years silent. There's 300 years between the last prophet in the Old Testament to the birth of Christ. Silence. Now, whether God used people or spoke, well, I'd like to think he did. But whatever it was, it wasn't in our Bible. He still moved through people and talked to people and directed people and led people and saved people, provided for people. But the first coming of Christ was perfect timing. It had when sin had reached its pinnacle. And not just the sin of the world, but it was when the church had focused more on the rule than it did the relationship. When it, when it focused more on the legality than it did the love. Come on now. And so when the second coming happens, it'll be exactly perfect. God is not bound by our time. We're mere humans. For him, what people perceive as a day could be a thousand years. It could be ten days. It could be a million years. It's a, it's a, it's a question. It's symbolic. It's metaphoric. And just because we don't understand or agree with God's timing doesn't mean he is not acting on your behalf. Let me teach you for just a minute. Just because you don't see God moving doesn't mean God is not acting on your behalf. Just because you're not getting your answer doesn't mean God said no. And just because you don't see the miracle doesn't mean that he ain't creating it. And just because you're not hearing doesn't mean that he's silent. And just because you don't feel him doesn't mean he's not present. And just because we don't understand doesn't mean he won't. All right, now look at verse 9. I want to show you verse 9. Let me see if I can do it. Here it is. 
Remember, we opened up with verse 8. A day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years is like a day. He was answering them, Where, when is his coming? And he said, y'all are, y'all are messing up. God's timing is not your timing. And then number 9, verse 9 says, Jesus, the Lord is not slow in keeping his promise. Instead, he is what? He's patient with you. Why is he patient? Because he doesn't want anyone to perish. But he wants... Who? He wants everyone to come to know him and turn away from our sin and turn to him. That's what the word repentance is. God's patient. That's why he ain't came back yet. What if he had came back 10 years ago in your life? When you weren't in church, where would you have spent your eternity? And now we go, God, thank you for not coming 10 years, right? Thank you for not coming when I was a... When I was lost in my sin. Thank you for not. Thank you for being patient with me, God. Thank you for your grace and thank you for your mercy. I could have been in hell. I could have been cast away. I could have been set aside. I could have been burning. I could have been hurt. Oh, but you were merciful. You were gracious and you were patient with me. So God's delay, as we see it, as they saw it in the time that Peter was writing this, should be evidence of God's patience and mercy. Because He longs for us to come to know Him. He longs for as many people as possible to come to repentance. That means a, a turnaround. And what, what, what's the most basic turnaround? Not knowing Christ. To knowing Christ. That's the, that's the, the basic turnaround. Not knowing Christ. We're in sin. We're actively engaged in sin. Knowing Christ, we turn away from sin and we are actively engaged in seeking holiness. He longs for you to come. The additional time, the delay in his second coming is simply an opportunity for more people to be saved. And so, they should have been praising God for his delay instead of mocking Peter. They should have been saying, thank you, God, that you're giving me more time to come to know you. But then Peter has to to let them know something. Verse 10, but the day of the Lord will come. I like that. He goes, look, God's being patient with y'all. He loves you. He don't want nobody to perish. But he is coming. But he is coming. And when he does come, it'll be like a thief, unexpected. Right Now, then he understands, then he says, this is what's going to happen. The heavens will disappear with a roar. You can go to Thessalonians, Revelations with the shout of trumpet. It could be the same thing, right? The heavens will disappear. The elements, that means everything we have, heaven, earth, trees, sea, everything, sky, everything will be destroyed by fire, and the earth and everything done in it will be laid bare. God will no longer have a need for this earth. When He comes, 
you need to understand this. There is no second try. When he comes and we see his second appearance, it's it. It's it. Unexpected. And it'll come when we think it won't happen. The day of the Lord will come like a thief. Nobody expects to get robbed. What do you do to prevent it? You lock your stuff up. Right? And that's kind of what we're doing. We're preparing right now. Because we don't know when it's going to come. Hmm. And then Peter asks a question in verse 11. Let's see if I can do it. Since everything will be destroyed in this way, what kind of people should you be? I love that. You see, this to me, Peter was not an intelligent man before he met Christ. He was just a fisherman. Just, just a fisherman. Just a laborer. I mean, he, he might have been smart, but he wasn't as intelligent as this is. When somebody questions you and you're able to respond intelligently, that's the Holy Spirit giving you words to say when the time is right. All right? He says, so since everything's going to be destroyed, what kind of people should you be? And then you go ahead and answer. Don't even give them a chance to answer. Because you ought to be holy and godly lives as you look If you cannot look forward to the day of the return, then you need to change your heart condition tonight. But let's go back. To right back to the theme of 2 Peter. If you've ever read all of 2 Peter, holy and godly lifestyle. Peter is more concerned with our life and living holy than he is with the coming of Jesus. He's more, he's more involved in you and I and those people that were listening to him. He's more engaged with their lifestyle and their holiness and their godliness. He's like, Jesus is coming. I know that. I ain't even got to worry about that. He's got that all to himself. What I'm worried about is your soul. What should you be doing? Because when he comes back, I got news for you. He's burning it down. He won't need it no more. And so what kind of people should we be? And we should look forward to the day of God. We should look forward to it. I don't know about you, but sometimes it's hard to be a Christian. It's hard. Sin and gossip and slander and lies and ugliness and evilness on every corner. Social media filled with garbage. I took 10 days and I really wasn't on social media. Man, I had a real peaceful life. Until somebody screenshot something stupid and send it to me. I don't like that. Don't do that to me. If they talking about me, just let them talk. I don't want to even know. Because when I see them in Walmart, I'm going to hug them either way. It's who I am. It's who I am. The news media is selling violence. They literally sell violence. Political division. I think next year's midterms. There's disobedience leading to crime. And all that makes me look forward to the day of God and to speed its coming. I look forward to it. Somebody say amen. amen. Now look, I split verse 12 up into two because I wanted to put verse 12 on this slide right here. 
That day, the day of the Lord, the coming of Jesus, the second coming, that day will bring about destruction of heavens by fire and the elements will melt in the heat. But in keeping with his promise, we are looking forward to a new heaven and a new earth. Where what? Right back to holiness. Right back to proper behavior, proper attitude, proper living. Makes me look forward to it. We're, we're weary down here. You know, I'm, I'm living as good as I can, and you're living as good, and I'm looking forward to it. I'm praying for it. Come quickly, Lord Jesus. So how should Christians live right now? Instead of indulging in sin without fear of consequence? Because that is a false teaching, by the way. He'll forgive me of it anyways. I can do what I want to. That's a false teaching. That's a false teaching. If anybody says, well, he knows my heart. I can do what I want to. That's a false teaching. That is not how it goes. Yeah, out of the abundance of the heart. What's on the inside will eventually come out. Yeah, he does know your heart. And that should scare people. But we should lead, lead holy and, and godly lives. We should live as a people who look forward to the new heaven. That means that we should be working to set aside our sin and live in peace with God. I'm not saying be perfect. I'm saying strive for perfection. Sunday I'll preach a message called Life in Christ. And we'll end with this thought. Training versus trying. Training versus trying. Training is repetitive. Trying is one time. We should live this way. We look at the end of where righteousness dwells. How can I can't bring my sin and my disobedience to where righteousness dwells? I cannot bring corruptible into incorruptible. Right? And so we should strive. Once we accept the grace of Jesus, once we get that grace, and I love grace, I love preaching on grace. But once we get it and we forgive our sins, once covered in the blood, there is a behavior, there is a fruit that comes and we want to live for God, a desire to live for God. Somebody say amen. amen. And then look at verse 14, I like this. So then, dear friends, since you are looking forward to this, he already assumes that he doesn't change their mind, I like that. Uh, they were mocking him, and now he's like, now you done heard the word. Now, as you look forward to his coming, make every effort. I like that. Make every effort. Make every effort. Make every effort. Learn. That's why we, one of the reasons we fast is for self-control and self-discipline. That we don't have to do those things. That we don't have to click those buttons. That we don't have to engage. That we don't have to fight every battle that is presented to us. We don't have to argue to every argument we're invited to. We don't have to attend. We, we, can, we can say no to things that are contradictory to, to God's word. We can strive and progress and do work to be found, what does that say? Spotless and blameless and... At peace with him. So you kind of know what spotless and blameless mean. That means without sin. And you know we, we, we can't get there right. But each day that I live for Christ sin lessens. 
Shall grace abound? Heaven forbid. But once you're dead to sin, you're no longer therein. That's what the Bible says, right? And so as we mature, as we grow in God, we get less spots on us. Right? All right now, but the part I like to say is, is peace with Him. Make every effort to be found spotless, blameless, and at peace with Him. I, I sleep real good at night. Unless I got a bunch to do the next day, and then my mind won't shut down. But for the most part, I don't never fight sleep because I feel guilty of anything I've ever done. You understand? Not that I'm perfect, but I understand that what forgiveness means in my life. And there is just certain lines that I refuse to cross in my life. And some of my closest friends and some of the ones that have known me for years know that's how I live my life. That's just it. Not bragging. That's not what I'm doing. But what I'm talking about is finding that peace. That spiritual reconciliation of a restored relationship between the father and his earthly child made possible because Jesus wanted it so and so much that he died on the cross for your sins that he was buried in a grave that he resurrected that he died for that peace that you can have peace from the father to the son because of Jesus and we have peace with him because of this listen God doesn't want to be at war with you did you know that God does not want to be at war with you. Look what, look what uh, Paul wrote in the book of Romans. He said, therefore, having been justified by faith, we have what? Peace with God. Through who? Our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom also we have access by faith into His, in which we stand and we do what? Or look forward to the hope and the glory of God. What is the hope and the glory of God? The return of Jesus Christ. Him and Peter were saying the same thing here. That we, ought to, we are justified by faith. Right? We have peace with God through Jesus. We receive that grace. That grace gives us peace. And what does that do? We in turn begin to look forward. We hope for the glory of God. Because faith in Jesus gives us peace with God. Somebody say amen. Can you give the Lord a hand clap of praise real quick? Come on. All right, so I want to close with this question right here. I want to close with this question right here. Why is it taking so long? <laughs> I mean, seriously, Jesus, well, I mean, what's up? What is taking so long for you to come back? I mean, really. The world is spiraling out of control. I remember growing up in church 30 years ago, and I remember the preachers talking about the second coming of Jesus 30 years ago. When you was a boy, you probably remember, you know, Happy and him talking about the second coming and like they're praying for it. When he was a child, for 2,000 years they've been expecting Jesus to come back. The first disciples, Peter and all of them, thought he was coming back a couple of days later, a couple of weeks, and they're like, all right, we ain't even getting a job. We're just going to eat together. We're going to hang out here in the upper room. Don't nobody go nowhere because they seriously thought that. I mean, they probably didn't say it like I did, but... So why are you taking so long? It's sinful out there. It's evil out there. It's rebellious. It's prideful. So Lord, why are you waiting? So let's look at verse 15, how he answers it. 
bear in mind that our Lord's patience means salvation. Bear, bear in mind. I love that. That's, that's Bible, 2 Peter 3 and 15. Bear in mind that the Lord's patience, the delay for Him coming back, is because He wants salvation for you and your families and for your children. Acts chapter 2, verse 38 and 39. For the promise is to you and to yours and to your children as unto many as the God Himself should call. That's why the church, this is the church. That's why He established the church. We are instrumental in this. God wants us to know Jesus. He's given us time to come to know Him. And the fact that we're waiting for that day of the Lord is due to God's patience and mercy. Remember what He said in verse 9 though. Look at verse 9. The Lord is not slow keeping His promise. As some understand it. Instead He's patient with you. Not wanting anyone to perish but everyone to come to repentance. Go to verse 15. He says it again. Anytime the Bible speaks the same thing twice in the same chapter, you better pay attention to it. It is important. Verse 9, let's go back, look here. Verse 9 says, the Lord's not slack keeping His promise, but instead He's patient with you so people can come to repentance. Verse 15 says, bear in mind the Lord's patience is salvation. It's emphasized. God wants everyone to come to know Jesus. Everyone to be saved. Nobody to perish. This wait, this delay is not a no, it's an opportunity. For our friends and our family to come and know Jesus. It's an opportunity for your loved ones, my loved ones, to encounter Jesus. That's what this is. That's why it's taken so long. It's God's act of mercy. Think about it. If Jesus came right now. Charles, are you playing tonight? Come play, Matt. Come on. Y'all come sing. Think about it. If Jesus came right now. If Jesus came right now, think about it for just a minute. If Jesus came right now, how many of your loved ones would not get to go to heaven? Because they have not accepted Jesus Christ as their personal Savior. How many of your loved ones are running from God right now? How many of your loved ones are lost in addiction? How many of your loved ones are living in the sin, blatant, disobedient to God? How many in the church are right now? So we're torn. We pray for their salvation, but we also pray for Jesus to come quickly. Because I'm kind of selfish. I'm ready to go to heaven. I think there's a country song that says everybody wants to go to heaven, just not right now. That's the dumbest song I've ever heard in my life. Why would anybody want to stay right here? Why would anybody not want to go to heaven right now? Why would anybody forsake the streets of gold, gates of pearl, peace everlasting, joy, worship? Why would anybody forsake that? Why would anybody say no to that? So I'm torn. I have family that needs to know Jesus. I have family that, that would go to hell right now 
because they have not accepted. That's all you got to do is accept it. Believe in your heart, confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you shall be saved. That's it. You got to believe in your heart, though, and that's more than just, you know, mouth work. It's a deeper than that. But that's basically all you got to do because Jesus did all the work. Right? He, he died on the cross. He took your sins, nailed them to the cross. He buried him in a grave. He did all the work. All you have to do is confess that and believe that in your heart. And then the life begins. But I'm ready for you to come. But I don't want my friend. I don't want my coworker. I don't want my neighbor to miss you. I worry about them, you know. I worry about the clerk at the local gas station. I worry about the waitress at the restaurant. So how should you be then as you wait? Holy and godly. Because your life is more of a testimony than your words ever will be. So tonight as you stand, I want to give you an, an opportunity to pray for two different things. I'd love for you to pray for the return of Jesus. I'd love all 200 of us to pray for the return of Jesus right now. We fasted for 10 days. What better time for him to come than right now? God, before I gain those 10 pounds back, listen, come on right now. Waffle House is real good tonight. So we're praying for the return of Jesus. But number two, what if he did return tonight? Maybe there's somebody in your life that you need to pray for tonight. Maybe there's a son or a daughter in your life that should be sitting with you right now. Maybe there's a parent. Maybe there's a grandchild that, that should be sitting beside you right now. That needs to know Jesus and they're not... They're not, they're not sold out. They're not there. So tonight as they get ready to sing, I want you to pray for that person that doesn't know Jesus. But I also want you to pray, Jesus, I'm ready. Come quickly. And if you're not ready, if you can't, sincerely, wholeheartedly, earnestly, and zealously say, Jesus, come quickly. Please, make your life right with Jesus tonight. Ask Him to come into your life. Ask Him to be the Lord of your life. Ask Him for forgiveness. Ask Him, say, Jesus, I need you. My family member needs you. My friend needs you. Allow my prayer, allow my prayer to be heard and your spirit to move in their lives. Come on, this altar is open. You can come and pray. You can pray right where you're standing.
Y'all come on.